Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Fine Asia, host of Made in China podcast. And in today's episode is a delicate one. You know, um, I just thought it was important to tell this story. Uh, we interviewed John Graham Harper, and uh, this is coming off of me listening to the Global from Asia podcast that he did with Michael Michelini. And essentially, the story is um, how he is sort of he's got an exit ban from from China. Because he has a court case,、uh, he got sued by an individual that he borrowed money from. Obviously, I'll let him tell the story because he tells it way more in depth. But yeah, he got sued and didn't know that the that he was、uh, subpoenaed to go to court and essentially, I guess, lost the case without knowing it. And then when he tried to exit China, they prevented him from exiting the country. So very, very. Difficult、uh, situation, but you know he's a very positive guy, great guy. He's got、um, good people around him.、Uh, had a successful GoFundMe page, and the story is very interesting. I, again, it's important because he's trying to get the word out. He's trying to educate people so people don't make the same mistakes that he did. And on top of that, like for anybody that's doing business in China, I think this is、uh, this is one of those things that you could learn from significantly. The reason why it's delicate is, of course. When you're talking about China and the government and the legal system and stuff like that, there's always a little bit of wariness, especially for somebody like me who is based here.、Um, but at the end of the day, the focus of the podcast was not about government. Actually, the legal system is different, obviously, from other countries, but it's pretty straightforward.、Um, there was nothing untoward done to him in terms of the the legal system. It was more the person being. In you know, sort of like the scam artist nature of the the situation,、um, how this commonly happens to not just foreigners but also other Chinese people. So it's not the legal system that we're talking about, focusing on. It's more the individual and how to avoid this happen because it can happen to anybody. If you borrow money from somebody in China, or if、um, you know they feel that they have just cause to to sue you. So yeah.、Um, Very interesting podcast, very educational.、Um, and if you want to know more about John's story, you can check out the Global from Asia podcast.、Uh, if you, we'll have links in the description. But if you just Google his name, he's done two or three podcasts. I think ours is the latest one, so ours has sort of more updates、um, on some of the things that he brought up in, in previous episodes. And yeah, other than that, check out the YouTube channel.、Um, we recently released an on the factory floor with Mike about the Guangzhou markets, the railway station. There's going to be another on the factory floor out yeah, by the end of this week,、uh, and it's about a、um, high end leather bag factory. So enjoy that on the YouTube channel. Enjoy this podcast. Cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment. To be a product of me. So,、uh, thanks for being on the podcast.、Um, how about let's start from the beginning. Let's sort of like what. Brought you to China in the first place? Um, yeah, it's kind of been so long now. That's a it's a hard question to answer. But I would I, I came here first with my dad and my younger brother. My dad,、um, my dad lectured, 
So he would actually travel quite a lot all over Asia. And me and my younger brother, we just wanted to venture. And so we came with our dad once. And um, the rest is history. I mean, the adventure we definitely got. Alan, my younger brother now, is married in Dongguan and has three kids. Um, and I'm, out of all my other family members, it's basically just me and him. We were the first to come, and yeah, we're still here. <laughs> we're still going strong in China. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I I feel like that's a that's the that's a common story with a lot of expats. Is like, yeah, I just came for a little bit of adventure, and then cut to like eight years later, I'm still here. You know, yeah, like, how did that um, happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, for me, I, I thought that I was gonna be in China for like two and a half years, and like have a multi million dollar company, and then peace out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's been four years. I mean, we're we're doing all right, but we're still building and. It's just it, it gets to you, man. It really does, especially because things move so quickly here. Um, you know, you kind of get you, you even if you want to leave, there's always like the next thing that you could do. Yeah, that's right. There's something to always keep you here just that little bit longer, and time yeah. flies, and you end up, you know, the years just just zip by, and you're still doing it. <laughs> you're still in the jungle, right? In the Zhonghua. So the, what was the first thing that made you stay a little bit longer, like uh, going back to those days? Um, well, back, in, back in the day, China was like the Wild West. There was, it wasn't, there was like a lot that you could do. And, and, and dare I say, there was actually a lot that you could get away with, right? There was a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that you could, you know, right now the rules, there's a lot of tightness. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the way it was before. People, foreigners were very revered back then. You know, we, 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 we had, you know, we, we were like gods. We could pretty much get whatever we wanted and, you know, that no, nobody would, uh, would give you trouble. They would, in, in, in fact, they would, you know, they would pretty much let you get away with anything. So as a young kid, I remember really enjoying that. I was, well, how old was I? When I, I think I was, just, I was in my, I was probably my first, my first time I stepped foot in China, I would have been 16. Mm-hmm. I'm 33 oh, wow. now. Um, so there was oh, a bit wow. of, of a few, uh, there's been back and forth. <laughs> well, well, yeah, obviously, you travel. Yeah, kid. I guess. Yeah, for me, the first time was 16 as well, but then I I came at 22, but I didn't I didn't come back and forth between 16 and then. Yeah, yeah. So when you're that young, and China just seems to have all your uh, all your wildest fantasies right at your fingertips, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very easy just to get get caught up. And yeah, I think the first ten years, twelve years, just flew right by. Now, now the years go back go by a lot slower. But I remember those those ten years, like off and on in China, is like a blur almost. It's so hard to track, like what what came first, you know. <laughs> yeah, you you would uh, you'd get along with my business partner uh, Mike. Like he, well, China Mike, uh, not the Kalidi, but uh, Mike came to China around like eleven years ago. And he he talks about it the same way that you do, and and I feel like it was like that even four years ago. Obviously, not exactly the same, but like even four years ago, I felt like, you know, I when I was hanging out with some of my friends um, who were also expats and stuff, like they always had this feeling of like invincibility, right? Yeah, that's um, right. I felt like you you could get get away with a lot of things as a foreigner. Yeah, you're like uh, like superheroes. You just yeah. strut around. <laughs> <laughs> 
with your Waigua face, right? And exactly, would be like, yeah. right this way, right this way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we're in the manufacturing industry and it's like, I, I think about that as well as like, I think about, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if, if a foreigner came to a factory, they would like roll out the red carpet. Like, um, but now it's, you might not even meet the, the owner of the factory. You might not even meet a manager. You might just be dealing with like a junior level salesperson. Like they don't care <laughs> That's right. unless That's you cool. are, unless you're doing a very, very large order with them. Like they're not going to bother to get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> Times have changed. Times have really yeah. changed. So um, what was your, you started off uh, your big fitness, fitness, fitness freak, right? Like you're into fitness yeah. as well. And that's yeah. what I, when I was listening to the, the podcast that you did on Global From Asia, I was really, that was one of the favorite, my favorite parts about the podcast. And you had, was it White Collar Fight Nights? Yeah, WCFN, White Collar Fight Night. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I just I thought about that as a as sort of like a little fight club situation. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build uh, like a an actual league, a federation. Um, my my whole um, my whole uh, like dream is to be the Dana White of white color boxing. The, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's kind of what I'm trying to build. It all it all started when um yeah with fitness it started. Uh, I wanted to, yeah, I, I just was a gym junkie. So I was training in the gym and I remember my brother, my older brother, he, he lives in LA now. He, um, he was like, why don't you, why don't you teach people this? Like, ha- like how to, you know, train in the gym and get paid for it. And I remember at that time being, I was, I was still quite young. I didn't even realize that that was a job. Like that was a career, but that was like a multi-million dollar industry in the world, you know? I just was like, what? People pay to have you tell them to bench press? That doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it didn't make any <laughs> sense. Like, uh, and then I, yeah, um, yeah he, he like sent me um, these institutions in California to, uh, you know, to, to look up and then sign up to actually get education on it. And, uh, and then I, yeah, I remember I, I jumped on that and then I started training clients and I built a little company called um, JGF. John Graham Fitness, and I had a little website, and and then being in Shenzhen at that time, um, being the own, only foreign trainer in a, and back in that time, fitness didn't really exist as an industry in Shenzhen. It was, it was so it was so new. Like gyms were very very ghetto. It was you know just like little weight pits, and no, nobody knew what they were doing. Trainers were like smoking outside. You know, it was very primitive. So being this, you know, this, uh, being a foreign trainer, um, and like, just, I, I was just always on energy. Like I was, I always like just be bouncing around and like trying to be a, you know, a Tony Robbins motivator. I, I had like the entire expat community, you know, jump on it. They were all like, yeah, can you, you know, can you train me? Can you train my, you know, my kid for rugby? Can you train my, you know, my daughter for golf? Can you, um, you know, can you, you know, I, I just basically took the entire, the expat market and I, um, yeah, I, I remember getting really busy and having like 16 hour days. I remember Monday was a, was a 16 hour day back to back of clients and I would just eat protein bars like, and shakes during, yeah, good times, good times. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I got, I 
burnt myself out with personal training. I got, and I kind of needed to scale back and I wanted to, you know, do something that would, you know, I, I could sort of hide behind. I didn't have to always be the front man. But then I started opening gyms and that was a learning uh, experience that I hope nobody has to go through. <laughs> opening <laughs> gyms and yeah, well. you were doing business wise. You were just passionate about lifting weights. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. you know, we didn't quite understand all the, the intricacies involved, the licenses, you know, the lease and the, all, all of this. We didn't, we didn't really know how to plan or structure a business. We just figured if we put our, you know, our, our fitness energy into it, it'll, it should work out. Like everyone should be ex- as, as, just as excited about working out as we are. Right. But no, exactly. it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so we had a, so this, quite a series of failures. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with the, the with the, with the personal training that started about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, that would be at least 10 years ago, maybe more, maybe 12. Yeah. Yeah, I remember so was it, was being it? in California and, tr- and getting my my education at the ISSA, the International Sports mm-hmm. Sciences Association, it's a California-based school, and then coming back to Shenzhen and launching JGF in Shenzhen. Yeah, yeah, so maybe 10, 10, yeah, 10, 10 years ago, let's say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it passes by. So, so when you was it just like word of mouth? Like, obviously, you you were, you were the most qualified person. You were one of the only foreign trainers. Um, the Chinese trainers are not as educated then as they are now. Um, so, it was was it just like a word of mouth thing, or were you actively yeah. sort of marketing yourself? Yeah, it was WeChat exactly or? that. It was exactly that. I remember going to like I remember training the principal of the international school of like one of the big international schools here. Because uh, we played rugby together, so he was like, "Yeah, can you can you can you train me?" So training the principal, all the other teachers came in, and that was yeah. just uh, that was that, that was, su- was such a huge business. Just just uh, just all the teachers, because that that's something that they were used to. Like international school teachers, where wherever they were in the world, usually just training and personal training was something they were very used to. So it was like, "Oh, who's the trainer in general? Yeah, can we do a Wednesday, say six o'clock. Cool, thanks. Bye." Very simple, fast, and like. You know, I, I didn't even need to really sell it. Like, I didn't need to, you know, I, I can get you to this goal or I can get you to this goal. Expats are all, you know, it's just part of their lifestyle overseas, right? So they're, um, you know, it, it was very easy to get people on the, just sort of the similar program that they had back in the West. They would always, it was easy to get onto it. Now, you know, I move Chinese, we're training Chinese. You have to, you know, tell them why are we doing this? You know, what can you expect in one month, two months, three months? Because they, they, they don't quite understand the process of what's going on. You know, they, it's, a, it's a different culture. Well, now it's much more, much more uh, a different, more educated community. But back then it was, yeah, it was a struggle. But yeah, interesting. Good to think back on all this. So, it reminds me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Good stories. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, fasc- it's fascinating to me because like in terms of fitness, like uh, I, I I go to the gym probably four times a week. I play, I play soccer twice a week. Um, and then when I moved from Toronto to China, it was like this huge adjustment because there weren't that many gyms in Guangzhou. And the ones that were available besides like the one at the university were like ridiculously expensive. And then in the four years since, like it's just exploded. You know, it's a, it went from being like, because of course they make you pay for six months where you're up straight. Uh, you're up front and it went from being like uh, 
3000 or $3,000 for a year to now, you know, 800, like it, it's gone down so much. Yeah. Um, it's insane. The prices that are in China, right? The, what, how they yeah. cater to the VIP community here. Um, they mm -hmm. get like, you know, these rich, rich, older ladies that are just paying to have face, right. They're paying to, to be in something a little bit more posh, you know, something with nice curtains or something exactly. like this, right? <laughs> Not, uh, yeah. I remember those, those one, those one girl that used to go to my gym and, uh, she would come in with like a, with a chihuahua and then she'd just be like walking on the treadmill <laughs> with a chihuahua next to her while like watching Gross. something on Yoku or like live <laughs> streaming herself. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what like is going celebrity. on? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely, I've definitely seen, I've seen people like that. And then I've seen a couple other trainers that I guess, I don't know what the name of the app is, but they, they live stream whatever it is that they're doing. And then people give them tips. Right. Um, wow. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I see that quite often. All right. So, um, yeah, so I mean, so you got burnt out from the training because obviously, you know, you were very popular. So is that the reason why you decided to open a gym or did somebody approach you with the idea? How did, how did that, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, we, uh, it was me and me and my, uh, my best buddy, Josh, we're both gym rats together and doing personal training together. And it was kind of like our, he, he, I would actually say opening the gym was actually originally his idea. And the gym he wanted to open, <laughs> I remember, I remember the, <laughs> this is funny. He, he, he wanted to call it Iron Dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Dungeon. Yeah, yeah, that was the first, like on the first business plan that we looked at together, like the front cover was a picture of a guy named, I don't know if you know, there's Dorian Yates. He was like a very famous bodybuilder because he was so big. He was just this Hulk-like character, kind of brought mass into the bodybuilding. Uh, sport. So it was like a picture of him, an iron dungeon. That was the brand we were, we were <laughs> iron dungeon. And it went from nice. that, to, we were like, I don't think we should use the word dungeon. That's a little bit, it's a little bit kinky and like S and M. We, we want to keep, <laughs> we want to keep it light and fitness. So it turned into iron gym. And then, um, I think iron gym was like slowly, it was sort of more of an idea. And it was a, we were always looking for, you know, potential, uh, like spots we could take that we could rent out to build whatever it was that we, we, we had at, at that point, we still didn't know what it took to open a gym. We didn't know like, what's the equipment list? You know, when do you order your equipment? You know, when do you start your flooring? When do you do your de you know, decoration? When do you start your market? We didn't know any of that. We were just looking for a place to rent to figure that out on the way. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Um, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like how every, uh, every 20 something year old or 30 something year old guy <laughs> has a dream of, of opening up their own bar or nightclub. <laughs> you, have, exactly. you have no idea what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be easy. How hard can it be? I think that was, oh, man, we're fun people. Like, I mean, I don't yeah. know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we like doing it. Why wouldn't anybody else? But yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember we, there was a like a, a martial art dojo and they wanted to sell. They wanted to sell their business. So um, we were like, oh, that's a great opportunity. We'll buy the dojo 
and all their members will add like the gym to the dojo and, and then, you know, we'll keep those members doing the martial arts and then we'll get new members for the gym. It was like, you know, it was, it was kind of like a, that was the, that was the initial idea. And we, the martial art gym was called, the martial art dojo was called Fusion. And so we basically scrapped, at that point, we scrapped iron. There was no more iron gym or anything. We, then we just went with Fusion. So it was Fusion Gym. That's how the first gym was, was born. We, um, yeah, it was Fusion Gym, and it was martial arts. It was, it was everything. That place, that place was, uh, pe- people in Shenzhen that were there back in the day, they said it was the, it was the best gym that they, um, that, that they had. Because we poured a lot of heart into it. You know, we, you know, we, like, we, we, we dipped our feet in paint and like had our footprints in certain places in the gym with our signature. Like we, we put so much personality and heart into it. Um, like we had, we did graffiti designs all over the, all over the gym, you know, for, for different areas. And it was, it was something you, you could tell was just made by people that were passionate about gym. They didn't care about running the running costs or, <laughs> or, or any of that. <laughs> they just wanted, they just wanted yeah. their own playground. That's how it looked. <laughs> Yeah. So would you say at that stage, some of the early mistakes was just maybe being a little bit too ambitious with, uh, with the kind of gym that you made initially? Yeah. I mean, in business, it's like you got, you got passion, right? You got passion and passion, passion has its importance. I mean, passion is the fuel for every startup. You know, it's that determination, that excitement. It gets investors excited about your project because you pour out the passion into it. So passion has its place. But you need someone with a bit of business sense that understands costs and how to save every little dime. Everything, like the saving and how to cut a cost is, is something we didn't know to do. We would just say, like we would get a price quoted to us. Like, oh, to build that frame is 4,000 RMB. We'd be like, okay, cool. That sounds right. You know, we, we didn't have someone there to be like, wait, no, no, no. Like, w- not, not only do we got to push this price down, but when do we get the return on that investment that's in the gym? On that particular machine, does that return it? Does it does that machine pay its rent space? Like what I know about gym design and how you construct a gym, uh, what I know now, if I knew it back then, you know, we, we would have been positive in the first year. It's just it's it's just simple things about how you design it with um, to just to be able to return your money back and to generate income. Like a gym is dead space, like a huge amount of capital investment in the beginning. You're buying treadmills and, and these high cost items that just sit in the gym. Mm-hmm. So each item, when you purchase it, you need to know why am I purchasing it? For, does my, my local market, my local demographic, do they want this machine? How much, how much is that machine going to be used per day? And what's the membership or what's the PT package that people are on that they'll be using that machine? You know, you, you don't want gym junkies ordering your gym equipment because <laughs> they're like, oh, you know, we should get a calf raise machine. And it's like, who uses a calf raise machine? <laughs> it's no, no lady that buys a PT package or buys your most expensive membership, you know, because that's a lady. Ladies are your target, right? Because they're the spending in the fitness industry. Then they're not going to use a calf raise machine, right? They're not going to use an Atlas ball or, you know, some you know, big, massive, strongman, you know, piece of equipment. They, they want things that are, yeah. you know, suited to, to help them tone up. And, and that's where you structure your gym construction from. 
is, is, a, is a female. The female, if you sell them, you sell everyone. You don't ever need a, so you never it, need to open that, up a gym for the fitness community. They sell themselves. They'll come anyway. <laughs> so that's that's part that's probably part of the reason why most gyms like 70-80% of the space is like treadmills and then some of the easier um yeah. the easier machinery. And then there's a small section, smaller section for people who want to lift heavy weights. Is, yeah. that, is that that's is that yeah exactly that right. Sense. Your treadmills, I I believe like your your when you go into a gym and you look at like how many treadmills they have, you kind of get an idea yeah. of how much rent they've got, what their target is. You get mm. all the information is based on the the number of treadmills. Like you kind of mm. get an idea of what of what the whole business is about. You can even almost have a rough idea of all their finances based on the number of treadmills. Because the treadmill is your that's your your piece. People buy it. That's what they people when they walk into a gym and they say, "Let me see your treadmills." Oh, you have four. Oh, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a, you know, a packed location. I'm never going to have, you know, come time off work. Those treadmills are going to be full. I'm never going to be able to use a treadmill. So sorry. I don't want it. It, it, it tells so much about what your membership you, rate is, you know, everything like that. You know, you know, what's funny is like, I didn't know that from a technical standpoint, but from just my experience going to a gym, like that is something that I always evaluate is when I go to, a, when I was shop, I was shopping for a new gym, like a year ago. And when I walked into my current gym, they had like 10, 15 treadmills, uh, 10 treadmills, and then like 10 elliptocycles, and then 10 uh, uh, standing bikes. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, okay, this is like, I know when I go to the gym, like I'm, there's going to be at least a treadmill available. Or you, you know what I mean? Like I just, that's how I kind of like made my decision. I was like, even at their peak hours, like there's still going to be machinery available. You know? Yeah, that's right. These guys that they, they, when you see like 10 plus, uh, like cardio pieces, they, they made the investment and they want that investment back. Mm -hmm. So you can have faith mm -hmm. that that gym will be there. They, their financing is good. You know, that they, they, they're kind of put in the due diligence to justify the purchase of all those treadmills, you know, so you can like, all right, I, I'll get a membership here and they'll still be here five years from now because those treadmills, they're, they're expensive, especially if they're, Nowadays, man, the treadmills can be, whew, they can be really expensive. You know, 100, so, 150 grand for, for a treadmill now. Yeah. Not, not, to, not to get a little bit, not to get too sidetracked, but I do have like a, another question. No, knowing what you know now, right? Like, what do you think about the current climate of like gyms in China? I know like CrossFit is coming up. Um, you have uh, experience training CrossFit and stuff like that. And then, uh, I noticed like Muay Thai is becoming a little bit more of a thing. Um, so what do you just think of the general like fitness climate, gym climate in, in China? Yeah, it's, it's extremely developed. Um, yeah, from, from what it was before. And uh, you, you have very large gym like chains, right? So what, the, what they, the, the way, when you open up a gym back in the day with, you know, people were still figuring out what, what the, you know, what the industry was all about. Where do I get my money back kind of thing, right? And the way, when you open up a gym, say, for example, you open up a CrossFit gym. CrossFit gym, you can't open up two because you buy the CrossFit license, right? So you buy that brand. You, you, you become their, like, franchisee, right? Um, so it, it, it's not really a, a business that's scaled. I, I call it a passion-based business. So it's a business where a guy loves to do CrossFit. He trains every day at CrossFit. So he figures, why don't I just open up my own gym? I can train every day. And then I get other people to pay and help me pay the rent. It's kind of like that's the, that's the CrossFit model. 
Um, then you have the big chains where they get heavy financing. Maybe they have like an investment company behind them um, that wants, you know, that they want a gym company on the books, you know, for some sort of, you know, IPO reason, right? Um, or, or something like that. And and those are the gyms that I've seen have got really big nowadays. Like that's where I see the industry right now, at least in Shenzhen. You have, there's Dream Fitness, there's Zhonghang, there's Total Fitness, there's Panata, there's Fusion. Uh, there's another one called World. And these ones all have like 10 plus locations. So when you, when you go, um, when you go to that number, when the, the, there's that much cost, like rent space in an expensive city like Shenzhen, you know that they're financing it's to serve a purpose, like to go IPO. So it, 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 it and I, I've noticed it, it in China. That's that, that's the reason why people do the, the gym industry is to build build a build a, a massive network, collect a bunch of data, package it all, and then ha- and then you know get public public funding. Um, at least I don't know that's my opinion. I, I I you know I I've talked to a lot of people about this and back and forth different ideas, but. That's where I see it's matured the most. So I would say it's much, much harder to get into the industry in China now. So if, if for, from my point of view, like from my stance, if someone's like, oh, I want to get into the fitness industry and I want to build something, I want to you know, create some big impact, I want to change the world, I would sort of lean more towards developing some kind of tech, you know, some sort of software that helps people track what they're doing, something personalized, something that people can take home you know, the, 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 the home workout uh, market is still there and still big. Anything that you can do at home, you know, is, in my opinion, where, where the industry is going. It, it, it's creating solutions that people can achieve whatever goal or any result that they can possibly imagine from the comfort of their own home. I see that as the next big wave in fitness is the, the home gym, the, the development of the home gym. <laughs> yeah. And having it all like your your imagine your home all teched up and wired up, and you come in and it says, "Hello, John Graham. You know, would you like to <laughs> would you like to form your cardio program?" Like, yeah, like all right. You know, and it, 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 it these sorts of things where it can it talks to you and says, "Okay, you according to our readings, you've had you know a thousand calories over your limit for today. That means you know you've got two options. You know, run on the spot for four hours, or do you know it, it's gonna you know, that, that, your home is going to talk to you. I, I see that being the, you know, where the industry is going. And people are going to, you know, they'll have a range of different options when they walk in. They can go punch this, you know, punch this bag that every time they punch it, it gives a reading of how hard they're hitting and does all the calculations and they can spit something onto their phone. And when they do that, they can post it, you know, and get a bunch of likes and get a bunch of comments. <laughs> Is that what the world is all about? <laughs> about getting light. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. everybody's everybody's comparing their social media self to everybody else. Which is not the real not the real version of themselves, but the social media version. So um obviously obviously the I heard you on the Global Formation podcast. Um and the main main subject of, of the podcast was what happened with the financing of, of your gym. Um, so I guess where, where would you want to start? I, as a, I guess for anybody that's listening, you were trying to leave China and you got blocked at the border. Why? That's right. 
basically with this gym with the with the gym business again it was me it was me still like having passion as my primary driver not really crunching the numbers when it came to the business so and for that i you know i take full responsibility i should have i still back at back at that time i didn't really understand the business side of the gym i was just pouring passion and energy into everything and you know it, obviously it would it led to trouble right so that that's a good tip for everyone is uh, yeah have the passion have the energy have the drive you know and really share your message and 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 your your enthusiasm for what you're creating but also invest the same amount of energy and time into learning the business side and make sure all your you got all your ducks covered right um you know don't uh you know because there's everything from licensing you know, registration, banking, all, all there's so many things you got to cover in China. You got to be extra careful on right? on top of things. Um, so, uh, this gym that we had, this was one of the ones that we had uh, towards the end of, uh, uh, from to where I am right now. Um, had three partners, and basically the gym couldn't cover its cost. We it, the rent was too was extremely high. There was salaries. Uh, the management fee, it was just a very expensive gym, too expensive for us to manage, to handle. It just, we were in way over our heads. So the strategy was to try to get rid of the business. Because um, what, what, I, what I was saying was a gym business runs on personal training debt, right? So on Monday, if someone buys 50 sessions from Monday, that money is inside the company bank account, but that co- the company owes that client, those sessions. And when those sessions are done, at the end of every month, the trainer must get paid, right? So every gym business, is, it, it functions on, on, on debt. It, it, it's like, a, like those big, large gym chains. I would say like, if, say there's, you know, I, I would say three of them, three, like three gyms could have in the range of like three million renminbi worth of debt. Always, always in flux. It's always moving, right? The debt's always mm-hmm. moving because people keep buying and people, people keep using. A good gym management will encourage clients to train, right? It won't let clients go, you know, become dead. It won't just say, okay, you train Monday. All right, I'll see you next year. It'll say, come back again tomorrow. Like good, the, the entire management system is getting people to buy, getting people to use, and then getting people to buy again. And it's just, it constantly is churning, churning mm-hmm. this, this, it's like a big machine, right? Um, so there's a lot of debt. So when you go to sell a gym, you don't necessarily, it's not sellable because the, the, the debt is so high. So if I, if someone buys a personal training session on Monday and then Wednesday I sell the business, who's paying for those sessions, right? So, and the way we are, yeah. because we couldn't cover our costs, every time we'd sell a package, we'd go straight into covering rents or salaries. We had no cash in the bank. Do you know what I mean? We didn't have like, oh, there's, mm-hmm. there's our, there's our P2 debt cash just sitting there. We didn't, we never had that. Right. So the strategy was to try to get rid of this, of the, of the business. We didn't we, like forget selling it. We just, we need someone to take responsibility for it. And there was a Chinese guy that I, I developed a friendship with in Shanghai because I, well, I used to box in Shanghai. So um, he, he was like in my corner. He was teaching me some moves. He's quite skilled at boxing. And, and he, he understands the, the process of, fight, of getting ready for fight, the equipment, all this. So I was learning all this from him. And he had a very big uh, interest in owning his own gym. He kind of had that passion 
and he was from a rich family, so he, you know, he he was confident he could, you know, he could manage the cost and everything. So out of you know cutting so much time and energy and months of talking to other people, basically he became our only option. And the, so he did not want to buy buy the gym. What, 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 the gym consists of it's like the legal papers, the license, you know, the company stamps, all of this. That's one side. Then there's the brand, right? The brand, like say, for example, it's 24-Hour Fitness. For us, it was Fresh Fitness. It's the brand. And then the third thing that composes of a gym business is, is the assets, right? It's like the, the, the actual, the, the, the tables, the chairs, the TVs, the treadmills, the press machine, the leg machine, the dumbbells, <laughs> the TRX, <laughs> the fucking Swiss ball, all of that, right? That, the, there's the equipment. Yeah. So he said, I don't want, uh, the brand is useless. That they do not, I do not want anything to do. That is your brand. Uh, the, I have no interest in buying, I want my own brand. So I like, all right, cool, got your own brand. Your company licensing, all of this, we had a woofie. The Chinese don't buy woofies. There's, there's, no, there's no purchase of a woofie. They just say, why don't we just set up on our own company and we just do it that way? You know, what, why do we have the path mm-hmm. of the woofie? So I said, don't worry about the woofie. I'll take care of the woofie. Um, you don't want the brand fine. So the only value that was left was the assets, right? That was, that was now the way it worked was is we were very, this is actually fantastic. I get to <laughs> set the whole record straight. Um, so during the time we began talking to this guy, we owed two months rent. Like we were, we were really desperate to pay rent, pay salaries. We needed money. So I asked the guy to give me a loan. And in the in exchange for the loan, I'll give you the gym equity. That's our collateral, right? So we took a loan out. We paid off some. We actually ended up taking two loans, which which equaled the amount of money that I have up on the GoFundMe website. That was that was actually two loans that we took over yeah. the course of let's say three months. So we took a loan, paid rent, paid salaries. Okay, you know, let's keep pushing the gym, keep trying to. Okay, all right, fuck, we're still in debt. So so the the the, the collateral. The collateral on the loan was the equity or the assets? Well, I guess the, asset, yeah, the, the assets, assets is yeah, the equity. The assets, yeah. Okay. The, assets. Okay. The, okay. The, the TVs, the, we had two TVs. We had four, how many treadmills we had? Four. Four treadmills, four bikes, one rower. Uh, we had a press machine, a lap pull down, you know, a sled, all of it, all that. All of the assets of the, of the that was our collateral. So mm-hmm. two months after the first loan, we had to take another loan. And then we just combined the loan. We just said we'll make it into one. So that that was the that that, that ex, the uh, the gym all those assets became our final. And that was the trade. So basically, me and Josh, we said we're not going to sell you the gym. You don't have no interest in, and we'll take care of the Wolfie. You have no interest in, in the um, in the uh, in the brand, but you want a gym. So give us the loan. We pay off the debts. The all the assets are yours, and there's your gym. So that was the that was the strategy that was the play, and then um, like I, I remember, let's say after all of these agreements were made, all of this about let's say a month, a month or two, he got angry at me, and it, his personality and how he is as a person that's something I'll save. Like I, I won't bother getting into that. I don't want, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to directly. I, I don't ever mention anybody's name. I don't ever like, I just stick to the facts. I basically just stick to the mm-hmm. facts when it comes to stuff like that. Um, for, for a legal point of view and also for, you know, to keep everybody safe in China. I, I, you know, I want to yeah. keep it, keep it that way. Um, 
but he just got, let, let's just say, uh, uh, needless to say, he got angry at me and he said, okay, I, because I actually offered to work for him. I said, I'll work for you as a trainer in this gym. You know, the responsibility of the ownership is yours. I'll just be a trainer. I'll just get my salary, you know, train clients and go back to doing my passion thing, right? <laughs> um, but he was like, <laughs> about a month and a half after the official sort of handover, he was like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You just leave. Go, like, get out of here. I became very angry. Um, very threatening. There, there was there was stuff said that was like it was, it was like life threatening stuff. And we and me and Josh, any all of the 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 stuff that he would he was saying, we kind of were just we we sort of called his bluff. We were saying, oh, he's just he's trying to get a reaction, right? Uh, we, we don't yeah. like he's not gonna he's threatening enough, but he's just trying to feel big. He's trying to feel superior. But we, we just ignored him. Do you have any idea why he started uh, feeling this way? Or like was it just out of nowhere or there's some sort of buildup? I do. I, yeah, I have a very, a very good idea why. And when all of my case and everything is done, that part I'll, I'll put out for the public. But for now, um, okay. yeah, I, yeah, I think my lawyer would be like, nah, don't, don't talk about that now. <laughs> Wait till after. Yeah, you can let that out. Um, Makes sense. But yeah, then, so, so I, I kind of just ignored him, ignored him, ignored him. Probably my, my mistake, you don't, you don't ignore your problems in China. You try to face your problems. Try to like, yeah, it, it's not the country where you just ignore stuff. You really need to dig deep. What's going on? What's happening? You know, do you want to, I remember we did ask to meet, but he would be like, no, if I meet you, I'm going to just kill you. You know, we were like, okay, like we're done, you know, sorry. Um, so, but still we, we, like, we should have, uh, still tried to figure this out and try to figure out what was, what was exactly wrong and you know, why he, why he switched and snapped. And the, but, um, our, our strategy at the time, um, and again, I'd probably take full blame for that. We just ignored him. We were just like, fuck off, leave us alone. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward to uh, yeah, when was it? last year, I think it was August. I think it was August. Um, I'm trying to, I was going to go leave the country to see some, uh, one of my best friends from Australia had a, had a birthday party in Vietnam. And I got stopped at the border. And I'm going because because I'm in I'm in Shenzhen I'm in China flying flying international right so I go go mm-hmm. into the border the guy's like this little beep sign goes through his computer and he's like stop and I was like huh what what stop stop what's going on here? and he was like and he he kept trying to do it on this computer but it wasn't going through so he called his superior over and that it was they, they were like you need to wait over here then two like uh, police guards with like. GoPro cameras on their chest came. They took me to this like holding area and they were like, sit down, don't talk, don't move, empty your pockets. You know, so I'm putting all my, all my stuff down and I'm thinking like, what's going on? What, what is, I'm just racking my brain. And I keep asking them. I'm like, yo, what is it? What, what is this? What, what, what matter is this? Right. And they were just like, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, trying to figure out what it is. And then, um, finally, I see through the window. How how is your how is your Chinese, by the way? Uh, it's not it's not too bad. I think in I think in um, high stress situations, it's best. <laughs> My brain yeah. goes into survival mode. <laughs> no, it, it's funny because like I I I've I talk about the same thing. It's like in Guangzhou, and I'm in my comfort zone. Like sometimes 
it's almost like I can't speak Chinese, even though obviously I understand and everything. But then when I end up in northern China and in random small factory towns, then it's like I have to bust it out. Like yeah. otherwise, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stranded yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think like there would be times when my Chinese would get me out of a lot of trouble, but then there would be other times I'd just be stuck. It would just be a wall. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't move. I need, I need it. I like, you know, sometimes the brain works that way. Sometimes the the brain is creative. It's, it's like in problem solving mode, and and you can roll with. You like maybe you don't know all of it, but you're like about eighty percent. You know, you're you, you're still going right. But then there's other times where you're like, no matter what, I can't figure this out. Like my brain just shut off, and I, I'm kind of like that. My my there are times when I just I just smack into a wall with my Chinese. I just I can't. I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot continue without uh, getting some translation. I'm so sorry, guys. But then there's other times after, like, say, six tequilas, I'm, I'm, I'm singing Chinese and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, he, so he, like, he, he's looking at his computer, and I'm looking through the window, and I'm like, what, what, what's, and he's writing something on a piece of paper. He's just writing, 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 you know. And I'm looking, and, and then he comes out, you know, and then he comes to the, the door of the little area where I'm being held. And he's like, come, I need to read this to you. So he, he's reading this statement that he wrote. And he's reading and he says the word Chenhai. And Chenhai is this new area in Shenzhen, very close to Shirko. And it's this new mm-hmm. foreign investment development area, right? It's like the new little Silicon Valley kind of a spot, right? And when he said that word, immediately uh, like because uh, i because of it's sort of a high stress situation i think my brain was on overdrive i was just digging into every little file cabinet of my brain trying to figure out what was going on but the moment he said that word honestly straight away i knew it was something to do with that old gym it, because chenhai yeah. is this new development area and there's a court there there's a court and that court is talked a lot about in the business world in Shenzhen. Chen, oh, just go to your, you know, oh, I've got to go to Chenhai Court. I've got to go to Chenhai Court. I got to, it's not the most, it's not the, the most powerful court in Shenzhen, but it's the newest and it's the one that, that a lot of um, business disputes are settled. Like people will sue in Chenhai Court over any other court because, and I'll say this, like, uh, I, I don't mind saying this on, on, uh, to everyone. It's the one court that you can't bribe. It is like completely, co- completely clean. Out of all the other courts in Shenzhen, that's the one nobody can bribe. Um, and the government just really watches this area, Shenhai. It, it keeps it very, it, it keeps it very, it watches, makes, makes sure everyone's doing exactly what they're supposed to. Well, well I so, guess it's part, part of it is that the government's trying to change uh, the perception that people have around the world about China. Uh, yeah, in, in yeah, that's right. China being a corrupt that's place, right. and, and just trying to, I mean, it, it's they're doing it in a lot of different ways. They're more strict about the kind of foreigners that they allow into the country. Uh, you know, they're more strict about the visas that they they give the foreigners, business people. It's more yeah. expensive to register certain type of, type companies. of companies, like, like so, so like, like there's a lot of, and especially like you said in Shanghai and in Shenzhen in general, where they're trying to make it into Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. I completely understand that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They want to keep it nice, squeaky clean, that area. Very, that, that area allows a foreigner to open up a wholly foreign enterprise without any Chinese partner, just like going to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing, obviously, is if you open up a company there, you're sort of more subject to laws in China. Whereas if you have a Wufi, you know, the, law, the legal system here doesn't quite travel over the border to Hong Kong. So some people with their Wufi in Hong Kong, if they get into... In, if they get into issues, um, they get into issues that they, they sometimes just dump the China company and then the Woofie in Hong Kong just opens up another one. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a conversation for someone who knows better about what's going on there. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that's all complicated stuff. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna comment on it, but that, might yeah, be yeah, I, a Hong Kong company, yeah, I don't think uh, I, I, you have to get company. a better business expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the, so I knew that something was up. So I called a friend who has a very good network, very strong, know, knows a lot of people. Um, and, uh, I said, can you read? And by the way, this was, on? this was, this situation happened three years or two years after you'd been, you'd been done with the gym. Yeah. yeah. So th- this, the, the gym business, this is about, it's about, I'd say, yeah. Uh, it's like two and a half years ago. Let's say that. I think two and a half years. Exact, maybe not quite three years. Or maybe like three years on the dot. Mm-hmm. But around this area is when the, the whole mess started with the gym. Um, and then just mm-hmm. last year, around August, is when I'm trying to get out of the country. And I, and, and I run yeah. into yeah, this problem. So, yeah, the, he basically reads the statement out to me. And the statement basically said, you have a case in, in Shanghai, in Shanghai court. You need to address it and you're, you're barred from leaving. You're not allowed to leave. So I went back into China, obviously I had to cancel my, my flight, all those plans. Um, called a friend and I said, can you look into what's going on in the court? What's, what, what comes up with my name? And um, yeah, I had an active case in court. And this guy had applied to have my, my name. It's my name. It really is. It's not, it's not my passport. A lot of people say that my passport has been taken. My passport has not been taken from me. My name, John Graham Harper, is on the blacklist. So even back, I had an old, the, the passport yeah. I'm using right now is not the same passport I used when that is in the court system. But it doesn't matter. The number, even though they're different, the name is the same. So I still have my passport, but the name, it beats, is, is, is what's, playing, what's barred, right? So mm-hmm. um, what happened was this guy applied to have my name barred from leaving China. And um, as like a penalty, if I didn't pay, or blah, blah, blah. and he sued me for the amount of money that um, is written, uh, that, that that loan agreement amount is the amount I'm being sued for. And there was a court hearing. There was the, the whole court process happened. I just didn't know about it. It all happened. It all got pushed through. Verdict was set. And then the time, it actually takes a lot of uh, quite a substantial amount of time to put a name on a blacklist. It takes quite a long time. Yeah. So that whole, whole time passed. Finally, it was issued, and then boom. That that was the, that's the bird. That's just the, the situation I'm in. So, um, so, so uh, I think I remember you talking about this on on, on the Global Major podcast. They they were trying to get in contact with you, but. Yeah, as I, it happens to me as well in China. It's like I get a million different phone calls from unknown numbers, and most of them are telemarketers. 
Yeah. So you yeah. end up just not not answering Answer your phone. <laughs> that's that's the rule. That's a, that's like a, a tip that I have for everyone. Answer your phone in China, even if yeah. it's a telemarketer or someone trying to sell you something. Just yeah, just hang up. But yeah, I I would definitely say they tried to call my number. They would call, call, call. They didn't. Uh, and I, could, I have a different number now. But you get so many of those calls. It would make sense that the court would have even, you know, would have been calling my old number. I just didn't pick up. So answer mm-hmm. your phone, guys. <laughs> um, and as far as like the legal, the legal paperwork, my lawyer has done, has looked in now and found that an address was given that I had in no way any relation to. That was given by him to send the, like the lawyer, like the court documents. You know, it's like a subpoena. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like in the mm-hmm. West, when you get subpoenaed, that you have to get it handed to you, right? Like they say, yeah. "Hi, is your name?" You know, you know, you know, John Smith. You've just been served, yes. and then they say <laughs> you've been served. They have to say that word. You have mm-hmm. to take it. If you don't take it, you run off. They still have to make you take it, right? It's called being, yeah, being served, right? They don't have that system here. They'll just send it to you, but the address is different. It's like some address that I've, I have no relationship with whatsoever. It's in a part of town that I, I've never stayed at ever in my entire time mm-hmm. in Shenzhen. Um, so for whatever reason that was, that obviously didn't help me knowing about the case. So, um, so that's got to be a red flag as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And like, I, I've had a lot, I, I've talked a lot about this with different people and that, you know, they say, how do you prevent from these sort of things happening? And then a lot of it is it, 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 with these sort of civil cases, you've got to have legal counsel early on. Like lawyers in Shenzhen yeah. are really good. I know, I think I know pretty much every, every credible lawyer in Shenzhen, I know them. I've had a, like a meeting with them. I've had an interview with them. I've talked to them about my case. They've given me free advice. That, you know, I've had like loads of, loads of lawyers that are like, I even have like in, in my WCFN federation, we have a lawyer's group that all do boxing and they, you know, they do our fights mm-hmm. and everything like that. So the, the, the lawyers here are good. And if you have a company and you just don't want this kind of hassle, you've got to have that legal support early on. Have some sort of counsel. Um, they just watch over what's going on because, you know, they, they know what to look for when things beep or, you know, something comes up with your name. They, oh, you know, someone filed this, you know, you know, you, you want, you need to address this. They'll know all that. And as a foreigner, if you don't speak perfect Chinese, you don't, you don't read Chinese. It's just, it's a little bit risky if you don't have that, you know, that legal counsel early on. Um, so yeah, that's like another tip that I would tell people, <laughs> like how to avoid the situation I'm in. <laughs> List number one. All right. Um, but yeah, so the, the, um, so where was I? The, yeah. So basically what I he'd did sent was. The, uh, he'd sent the documents to some strange random address. Yeah, um, this so is what I, I found out later. Was digging. So, yeah. so first I had to find out what was going on. Like what was, what was happening, like what exactly was happening. And once I knew what was happening, I had to actually have a strategy of what to do, right? Of, of, yeah. of what to do at what time. The legal process, just like anywhere else in the world, is extremely complex. You, you make your first move. That then can have a couple of different outcomes. And you need to know what outcomes those could be before you make that move. And you need to predict at least, you know, five, six moves ahead, you know, because you, you kind of want to have everything lined up. You don't want to make a mistake and then have to backtrack or you, you know, you, or you make the wrong mistake and everything falls apart, right? So 
Mm-hmm. That that was, I, it took me a lot of time to really learn the system here. What's my what's going on? What happened? How, you know, is there and then not only that, but then what do I do now? What's 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 the what's the the uh, you know what's my my action plan? And um, basically, what I decided to do was I needed to fight this verdict. I was like, because they say everyone says it goes away if you just pay. And I was like, yeah, I don't have that money just sitting in my bank to give away. And I'm not going to, I don't want to ask my, you know, uh, 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 some friend or family member to give me the money and then I owe them and I put financial pressure on them and me. I was like, I, I, but I need to fight this verdict. I shouldn't have to pay. So that's when I started the crowdfunding. And the crowdfunding, the goal was to be able to basically pay for a kick-ass lawyer to figure out a way to, to fix this. Um, so in nine days, I managed to raise the money with the with the help of I don't know if you know Serpent ZA. Do you know Do you know Winston? Winston. Um, I'm familiar with I'm familiar I'm familiar yeah. with the the first China YouTuber. Yes, I am. Yeah, the YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, he's got like loads. There's there's loads of things good, bad about him. There's so much controversy about him. And 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 just yeah. yeah take on on a side note, I I think it just all fuels his business. Everyone who creates content has to create controversy, or else you have no business. Nobody watches rainbow. Yeah, no, and then, no, I mean, on, on top of that, nobody content. nobody likes anything a hundred percent, right? Like it's just there's yeah. no, there's nothing yeah that exists that's just as a hundred percent approval rating. Like yeah, that's right. He yeah. Part of what he does and what CMILK do is create content that does stir up controversy that because then that's how you get the of views course, yeah. you get the shares you get the members all, all that crap right that it, i i kind of get that like i see that because i understand that oh you know creating video content right that's what you have to do right so i kind of get that side mm-hmm. but then on the other stuff i don't i don't really get i don't get too much involved with it from my side i i asked um, him to do a video and he was like sure no problem we'll do it and it was such a tremendous help, you know, like people were giving like $5, $3, but it, it all adds up, right? It all added, added, added up to an amount that I could then go to a lawyer and say, there's the amount. Can you, can you, can you do something about this? And then she, the, the, the lawyer that I had, she said, okay, keep the money on, in the fund, keep it in the crowdfunding. And if I can get these outcomes, you can pay me. So the money is just sitting there. If you if you go to the link, it's it's just sitting there, yeah. and it's just waiting yeah, for for that outcome. Um, but yeah, it's, you got nine percent uh, over. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty, I'm very, very much thankful to um, to Winston, regardless of what everyone else says. Um, you know, he he does his thing, um, you know, and but just on on a personal level, for him to help me out like that was a big. It was, yeah, it meant a lot. It was real, real big help. Um, but yeah, like the state it is right now, you know how it is in China, like we were saying earlier, uh, you know, two weeks in China, it means two months. So everything's been filed. We've done everything. We've got, we've got the, the strategy, the game plan all set out, laid out. We're just waiting now. <laughs> we're just, we're just waiting. It's just, you know, it's like something that should take six days. It doesn't take six days in China. It takes longer. <laughs> So I'm just practicing my patience <laughs> and, um, yeah, hopefully if I could give everybody an update in you know, the next <laughs> two weeks. I always say that. I always say that I'll give you an update in two weeks and, and then, you know, two weeks leads to four weeks and yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I just have to be patient. There's nothing I can do. 
there's really nothing I can do. Just have to wait. Wait so, till so for for the audience, I guess the audience that listened to the Global From Asia podcast and are listening to this right now, what's changed in your situation since then? I think at that stage you you hadn't been fully funded, right? Like so I guess the obviously yeah, yeah. working with Serpent's at a um and then and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we got the funding. It took nine days. The lawyer made, you know, agreed to do it. And um, yeah, like someone commented on my crowdfunding page and said, can you give us an update? So I gave him an update and I basically said like, um, you know, I don't know, when you watch all these lawyer movies, you know, like, you know, like <laughs> these lawyer movies where it just seems to happen so fast, it's not like that, you know? It's, it's so much digging. Um, there's researching, there's like, you know, you like my lawyer will basically, she'll say, you have to find this, like you, you have to find this document with this signature. And in my head, that doesn't exist. I've never seen it, heard about it. It's not in my memory. It never happened, but I have to go and find it or something similar to this to add to the evidence, more and more evidence, right? So it's digging around and, and finding different things, going to this bank and correlating it with that bank and cross-checking this and calling this number for and getting a quote from this person who leads to this it's a it's a whole it's a it's a big process but all of that was done built we built the um the, basically the case file submitted it to the most powerful court in all of shenzhen and now we're just waiting we just gotta wait this is awesome it, you just gotta wait yeah i mean i'm so extremely thankful to everybody who who contributed i mean I, like Every now and then I get you know, someone that pops in my email and someone contributed a dollar, you know, and it's like, that's, it's, it's nice that it's still going. Right. Um, and I actually asked the lawyer, I said, could you get on camera and, um, you know, can I video, you, you know, this whole process, you lay it all out. And she said, we have to achieve a certain milestone before we do that. And until then, don't give out any exact evidence of the strategy we're going for, because you know, you know, you know. Um, this doesn't terminate the case. It basically just resets mm. it. So once it's reset, mm. I'm in an open case, and that open case is nobody else's problem. That's my problem. But it's like it's like you know, my my business is boxing. Imagine you showed up to a fight and they say, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" Yeah, you lost the fight. It's like no, no, no. Mm -hmm. I I want to at least have a chance. I actually want to get in the ring and see if I can do this, right? And that's my that's my business. Yeah. That's my shit. I can I can handle the case the 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 um the support i needed and i'm that i'm so grateful for, for everyone that contributed on that crowdfunding was to be able to re to, to get the lawyer to push the resetting of the case to have it reopen but the the once it's reopened the verdict terminated i'm in a case you know and i'm i'm happy with that i know i know some you know entrepreneurs and some business tycoons here that have like sometimes up to six cases running all the time um, and it's, yeah. but it's just part of, if you, you know, if you hustle and you, it's something you got to deal with. Right. And I'm happy about that, but to be declared guilty and have a verdict set when, without, when I wasn't even given a fighting chance in a foreign country, that's what was like, no, that's no, that's not cool. That is not cool. I need, that needs to change. You know, if, if we're, if we're going to go toe to toe in court, okay, I'll, I'll go toe to toe. You're like, let's do it. But you know, to, to have the, the case over have it all over before i even showed up that was my whole that was my message it was like help me get this reset this isn't you know I, and <laughs> watch out everybody answer your phone don't 
you know, have legal counsel on your businesses. Don't, don't let the whole process happen. And it's very common for things like this to happen in China where a foreigner is, give, is really at such a disadvantage. You know, it's honestly at a very disadvantage. Because if you don't know the language and you don't know the, you know, you, you get some message or, or you get someone calling you and it's in Chinese and they're speaking Chinese, it's, you know, it's, it's a worrying thing. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. I mean, just just (laughs) I guess just to clarify for the for the audience, it's not necessarily even a it's a China specific thing in the sense that you know the language barrier and being in a foreign country and the legal system being different. But I mean, this kind of thing could happen in any country, really, uh, right? Like, because from my understanding, this is not. This is like a common thing that certain people do where they lend money and then the whole point is to, yeah. to, to get the person into a I court could, case. Right? Yeah, I could get into that a little bit. Well, yeah, why don't I hit on that a little bit? That's, so, so this is another side. So um, it actually happens a lot in China, the whole suing. Suing happens all the time in China. And it can run as a business. Mm-hmm. It can actually run as a business. Because say, for example, um, you know, we're... You know, we're like, okay, so me, so me, like I, I have a, I, I see Rico and I say, Rico, you know what? I, I think you got some money. Okay. I think I got some money and I want, I want some of that money. I can file a case against you. Okay. So I can put up the money to file a case against you. Now, when you are, when you're given a case, like when Ch- a Chinese person is given a case, right? Chinese versus Chinese. They, they, they say, okay, what do I do? Do I invest in a lawyer and, and uh, I have to go through this whole process to try to, fight this case. Most Chinese don't. 99% of all cases in China are all, all sorted outside of, uh, outside of court. So Rico, you would come to me and you say, dude, why are you suing me? Let's settle this. And I'll say, yeah, I'm suing you for 500 grand. You know what? I'll take a hundred. And then you just say, okay, yeah. fuck there. Take a hundred. You just that. And then I get a hundred, I get a hundred K free money. And then I take that hundred, I take that 50, put it in the, in the pocket. And then I use 50 to go file another case against somebody else. And usually it's actually how it's done in China. It's, like a, it's just because just simply when you are presented with a, a case, you're, the settling is the best option. It's the least mafan way, you know, you know, mafan, right? Like yeah. Least troublesome, right? Yeah. Least troublesome. The, the most- yeah. And I mean, that's, that's even the same thing in, in the States and Canada. Like I, I think the statistic is maybe a little bit lower than China, but it's like 70 something percent of cases are settled outside of court because when you're talking about civil uh, lawsuits and stuff like that, because nobody nobody wants to go through that process of going to court, taking that risk, yeah. and, you know, paying the yeah, lawyer fees, exactly. and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's it's a, it can kind of run. You can churn it out like a business, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think in China, maybe even in the whole world, I think it's fifty one percent evidence. You win civil cases. I think it's like eighty. Six percent in China, and you win criminal cases. Some something around those numbers. So if I'm suing Rico for something, I need to just sort of throw out to you some document that leads you to think that I've got one extra piece of evidence. I've got that fifty-one percent, and then you're going to weigh up the odds and be like, "Ah, oh, all right, dude. Here, let's settle." Right? That's kind of the, the play. Yeah, and like you said, not not just in China, but everywhere in the world, kind of the. So I, I have one last question about this situation before we kind of like uh, close it out and talk about 
focus on what you're doing right now. Uh, you, I mean, you, you, I, I, this came across in the, in the global major podcast. And even I watched the YouTube video that you did talking about your situation and you're very, you're a very positive person. Did you ever have maybe in the moment when they first told you what was going on, did you ever have like a moment of just sort of self doubt or, you know, sort of just like being in a foreign country, not knowing the legal system, like just like, what am I going to do type of situation? And then, and then the follow up to that would be what, what brought you out of that situation? If you, what brought you out of that feeling? If, if you, if you actually went through that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, there were, there were, there were definitely really, really tough, tough moments. There were times when I was like, man, this is, <laughs> this is a, this is something I don't think I can, I can figure this one out. Um, I think my, my generally my nature is just to rush at problems, like not really, not really uh, think them through, but I'm a little bit arrogant in that way. And I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, it's got me into trouble, but I kind of just figure like, you know what, how hard can it be? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm kind of that person. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's drive it. Let's drive it. You know, mm-hmm. tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another day. Um, and that, it, <laughs> yeah, like I said, it, could, it kind of gets me into, tr- into, into trouble, but it, 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 it also, it also, if you think about it, you don't, you don't really have another option. I remember a lot of people were like, why, yeah. why are you so positive about stuff like this? I'm like, well, what, what other option do you have? I, I'm not in my own, like, I, I cannot swim across the, <laughs> the, the canal <laughs> joining Hong Kong. I, that, no, that's not an option. I'm not going to, like, get smuggled out or anything. I, I have to figure this out. This is, this karma has given me this, this challenge, and I do not have a choice but to figure this out. And be best way to do it mm-hmm. is to, to be positive about it to like say okay i'm in china i'm not my life's not threatened i still have you know i still have a i'm part of a of a, of a company that i've built um you know that, that that is growing um you know i'm still i still have really great and amazing chinese partners um and investors that believe in me that trust me that inspire me um you know in in china there's i mean th- th- this Oh, maybe the opportunities are getting smaller, but this is still the land of opportunity. And it, and it, it will always be that way if you think that. If you wake up every day and you go out to China and say, China is still the land of opportunity, it will be that way. Opportunity will come to you. Um, so mm-hmm. it's still a great time to be in China. It's still a great time to be alive. You know, there's people that have, I remember, I remember, um, remember, uh, talking to some of my buddies of like guys that have really, you know, been here like legends, veterans, you know, that had, you know, put in the hard, the hard days of being here. They will tell, they, they tell me stories about things that they've done that I, I'm like in kindergarten with my troubles, right? So it's part of, it's part of the process of developing your character and developing whether or not you really have the kahunas, you know, to, to create impact in the world, you know, to, to do something big. If, if, if you can't, um, if you can't get through problems like this, where I'm not in a life-threatening situation, right? I just have to figure. It's like a chess, like a chess game. I just have to figure it out. I have to go slow, not, you know. I have to get the right help, you know. Have the right mentors. If I can't figure something like this out, I don't really have the right, you know, to conquer the world and create big impact and, you know, cr- create a, a company that, you know, w- will influence people like the UFC, right? I don't. I don't have the right to do that if I can't figure something like this out. So I always just tell myself that, you know, and even though there are, there are times when I'm just like, 
you know, like my, my parents um, just recently, after 40 years, like in the last two months, they, they separated. Um, so that was a oh. big, a big hit to the whole family. And the, the, you know, my mom's gone over to the other side of Australia. So missing, like I, uh, I, there was a, quite a number of years that I spent in China. I did not go back and see my family. And then I went back last year, not, not, not just because my, my birthday is in November, not just last November, but the November before I went back and I saw my mother after quite a number of years. And it was just, I was so happy to see her again. Um, you know, reconnected my dad, everyone. And then I came back and then this problem happened. And, but I was planning to go back. You know, I was like, I made a commitment. I'm going to go back every year on Christmas to go see my family. Um, but I didn't make it. And then now my parents, you know, they, they decide to separate and, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't, that's probably it. I'm probably never going to see my, my mom and dad together again. You know, there's part times when I think about that, um, you know, that really I can get low. You can get really, really low. But it, again, it doesn't really help anyone. And it doesn't, there's no choice. There's no, there's no really, I don't, I don't see there as being a choice. I don't see that, you know, sit in China and mope. It's not really an option. It's not really, I don't really have a choice. I just want to say, okay, it's fine. It's okay. People have been through worse. You know, what's, I don't know if you've seen the movie with Matt Damon where he's on Mars and he has to yeah, like figure out how to survive. I, that's, a, that's a mad movie. I really dig that movie because he says a sentence. He's like, you basically just need, it's like towards the end of the movie when it's before the credits. He's like, you, you know, get up um, and, and, and work the first problem. And once that one's done, go to the next one and then go to the next one. And it was, it, it was a, a story about how he survived Mars. Obviously, it's fictional, but it, I really liked it. And that's kind of how I, how I see it. You wake up every morning and you say, okay, uh, what's the first problem? Let's do that one. Okay, when that one's done, what's the next one? <laughs> what's the next one? <laughs> yeah, and you keep going. That's, and that's it. Yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, the reason why I asked is because the, the reason why I asked is because I, I tried to approach life. Uh, in the same way, like I, I, I try to be positive um, about everything that I do. And I felt like, you know, I think a lot of people would take these, the, some of the issues that I've had issues in China and stuff like that. I think a lot of people would handle them in a much more negative way. And I, I thought that, you know, you expressing how you approached it and all you think about it would be sort of important for the, for the audience. Um, so I guess yeah. to end on the, on a little bit more of a of a positive note, like so, you're still. What are you What are you doing now? Obviously, you've you've sort of moved on, and and you're still trying to pursue the entrepreneurship uh, stuff in the fitness world and, and and within your passion. Yeah, the um, yeah. So all the gym businesses and all the fitness industry stuff has led me to uh, build WCFN, which is the this boxing federation. And the Boxing Federation, um, I got funding from a company called Fit Shakur. Fit Shakur is, is an AI mirror. So this mirror can is basically going to replace personal trainers for the home gym. So you can buy this mirror and it will teach you yoga and it'll talk to you. You know, like extend your leg, you know, your elbow, bend your elbow. Good job. You know, keep going. It'll, it'll talk to you like this. <laughs> um, and this, mm. this company has, uh, funded my dream of owning my own fight federation and a, the fight federation I want to own is, is in white collar boxing because white collar boxing is a very community. It, everyone can do it. My, my belief is anyone can box. Everybody can box. 
I don't, I don't, it's not fighting. MMA is, is, is fighting. It's not boxing. Boxing is different. And the white collar boxing system, the rules is very safe. Um, it's everyone can get involved with it. So I'm building that federation to, to eventually be able to go all over the world. And, and so far it's, yeah, it's going really well. It's going, we're, we're going to do a, a very large event next month that is going to be pretty much entirely government funded. So the government is now liking what we're doing. We're, you know, we're making people, uh, we're providing a challenge. We're making the city healthy. Um, you know, we're providing uh, sort of a bucket list for entrepreneurs, for CEOs, for business elites um, in, in Shenzhen. And it just, the government likes it. They, they, think, they think it's great. And now they're, they're supporting us. And that's, yeah, that's a that's a big step. That's a milestone, right? So I'm excited. Give yep. give it give it a couple more years. And you know, my, my jokes about being the Dana White of of white collar boxing, and maybe even going as far as surpassing UFC and 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 pro <laughs> sports, you know, may actually happen. <laughs> yeah, at least you gotta have a dream, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess. Uh, the, the GoFundMe page is still up, right? People can still donate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just just a dollar. You know, I mean, the, the, the money's there. The, the agreement's been signed for that amount to, you know, achieve the agenda of, you know, of, you know, terminating this, uh, this verdict. So, you know, it's just that I kind of like encourage people to share the page around just for the story, just to get people to, you know, it's a good story and, you know, tell everyone to be more careful don't make the same mistakes I did. Um, but yeah, as of now, I, you know, I, I'm as, as much as, you know, I'm thankful for all the people that contributed in the past. I don't actually really need any funding more. Just, you know, just, just raise awareness. As I, I think that's more, more important. Raise awareness for other young entrepreneurs that, you know, are too thick headed, <laughs> that are too big for their boots. Um, you know, that needs to, you know, yeah, sort of stop and, uh, you know, do things properly. Yeah, I think that's probably more important, right? R raise more awareness for business in China. Make yeah, and, I, and you know, certainly I mean, obviously I want to thank you for, for, sh for sharing the story. And I mean, I think it's, it's very important. Um, obviously, you know, like when you first reached out, I think it was about two months ago, I was obviously very skeptical about, not skeptical, but I was very cautious about, having you know doing a podcast like this is because you know everybody's always paranoid about uh you know chinese government ai tracking any negative comments yeah. and things like that about yeah, China. Right. Uh, but i just felt like yeah I, th I felt like this story is one extremely relevant for my audience uh because it is business related in china and i'm always trying to I'm always trying to teach people to learn from other people's situations rather than going through those situations themselves. Um, and it was the first time that I heard about something like this happening. So I just felt like the story was too important to, to not, to not have one. Um, and of course, uh, you said, you said uh, to me as well, that, I mean, the focus is not talking about China itself as in a negative manner. It's more trying to teach people like, about certain scam artists that, that yeah, are here or that are yeah. gaming the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which I mean, I do when I talk about factories as well. Yeah, these, like you said, this, these problems can happen anywhere, you know. 
And it's just, if you raise enough awareness, people can safeguard against them, be smarter, right? And like, yeah, I like that what you said, uh, a smart person um, learns from their mistake, a smarter person learns from the mistakes of others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... I that's, really hope uh, yeah, that's the, learn from my mistake. <laughs> yeah, I try, I, try to li- I try to live by those, those roles as well. Um, yeah, man, so uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to... To comment on before we we close off. No, that's fantastic. Uh, obviously, I want to say a personal thank you for um, yeah providing this platform to share. I'm so happy I got to like um, set the record straight on some different things. Um, but yeah, just so to set the record thanks. straight since since the previous uh, podcast that you did. And some people will yeah, yeah like your... people were saying like the police have his passport, like they're holding. I mean, they don't. Yeah. they're not holding my passport. I have my passport. It's the name. <laughs> Certain things like that. I was mm. just like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, closing questions uh, that I usually ask everybody uh, when we do these kind of deep dive. What is the smallest thing you've done that brought you the largest results doing business in China? Um, definitely, it's it's impacting someone on the street who you think isn't significant that ends up being a link or some key to just providing some kind of enormous success. You know, just like whether it be spiritual, emotional, you know, or you know any kind of success in that regard. I, I've yeah, you know, be careful how, you know, you know, you wake, sometimes you go into a taxi driver, a taxi and then the taxi driver's like, hey, I'm and you, you know, or maybe that's, that's, that's Beijing or end, right? He's like, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of are like, uh, and maybe throw some uh, at him. You know, sometimes those, those little encounters with people that you think are not significant actually end up being like very very big encounters right for for your success mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I would say that i'd say uh, yeah so, some some like sometimes i've i like so i've been reconnected with someone who um who i thought wasn't in any way significant in my life but i was just i hung out with them i was cool we were you know we were happy we said some jokes you know we had a good vibe and then later it came back and that person was like yeah i'll, I'll help you fix that or i'll, I'll you know i'll it, that that is yeah I, I would say 100 that's that's from my experience at least <laughs> yeah yeah good question shit that was uh, put it nice <laughs> um what are three books podcasts blogs uh or vlogs that uh, people could read listen watch to get to know you better um vice on youtube is 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 incredible vice um, I'm getting my, uh, my, my, I've got, I've got a Chinese girlfriend. I'm trying to get her on Vice. I'm like, God, this, this is a, these are the stories that the news won't ever touch, you know? So definitely by Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan for president. He is, Joe Rogan <laughs> is my news media. If he verifies something, it's good. That's good enough for me. <laughs> and um, as, as for books, uh, I'm a big Timothy Ferris fan. I, I really like, um, like his systemization of things, how he processes um, so things that may seem difficult. He breaks it down. I uh, highly recommend, yeah, to make the world simpler, you look to Timothy Ferris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, those, those, are my, those are my three then, favorites for now, I think. Yeah. And then if people want to reach out to you, how could they find you? 
Um, I guess just John Graham on Facebook would be good. Lots of, uh, yeah, that'd be the best spot. I think my, I think Instagram is John Graham Fitness. Um, so yeah, John Graham or John Graham Fitness. Yeah, please reach out. We'll, we'll link it up in the show notes as well. Oh, that's, yeah, thank you. Big, big thanks to all, yeah, letting me, uh, letting me talk. It's good. It's really, really yeah, good. anytime, man. I, I, I thought it was a, it was a great podcast. That, like I said, obviously extremely important information. And I uh, wish you all the best, man. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Shish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And if you want to reach out to me, that's uh, podcast at sourcefinasia.com. Um, you can find the show notes for this episode at sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And of course, you have to check out the YouTube channel, Source Finasia, all one word. Cheers.